everybody. Welcome to another edition of Kaleidoscitis Hero Killers here on the Boom Bastic Media Network. I am your host, Keith Rovere. I'm an author and collector of true crime, art, and memorabilia. And your host for this evening. <laughs> I really appreciate each and every one of you guys for the retweets, the likes, the shares, the follows, the mentions. Um, I'm literally getting messages every day from you guys. I try to respond to all of them. Um, a lot of people are saying this is your favorite podcast, and I really appreciate that. In the in the sea of podcasts that are out there, I try to be a little bit different. Um, obviously, we have serial killers and uh, call the show, uh, call me personally. So I hope that's a little bit different uh, than most people do. I'm not just reading from a Wikipedia page, and you know, especially the video podcast. They're looking down, reading notes the whole time. Come on, you step up your game. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't care if I'm the only one out there or, or one of a million. Um, I enjoy listening to some of them. There's some great ones out there. Um, but come on, don't just read from a page. You know, Step up your game a little bit there. <laughs> um, I was going to have actually Robert Bardo on today's uh, podcast or tonight's podcast, uh, but the sound quality was just horrible. Oh, on his end of the phone, he had his new tablet. Uh, if you don't know Robert Bardo, he was kind of made stalking famous back in the day uh, when he killed actress Rebecca Schaefer. And I was excited. I was actually uh, I talked to him a, a couple hours ago. Um, it was the very last minute. You know, the podcast is on Thursday evenings. Uh, so I was really trying to get it uploaded and do something uh, uh, with him. Uh, but he, the, the vocals were just cutting in and out. It was just not good quality. I was really bummed about that. So we're going to try it again and hopefully have him in the future. Um, Wesley Shermantine from the Speed, one of the Speed Freak Killers, uh, he disagreed to, just agreed to come on. I've been writing him back and forth for a long time. If you haven't followed, if you don't follow me on social media, and you know, dig around a little bit and find the post where Wesley sent me a sixty-page letter. <laughs> I just got one yesterday in the mail. It was almost twenty pages long. Um, I can't even. I'm not. Well, I guess I can say whatever I want on here. Um, I mean, some maybe social media platforms won't allow it. Um, but he is very graphic of his sexual exploits back in the day. Um, you can't really talk about his crimes in detail much when we have him on. Uh, but hopefully, if he's not shy about sharing some of his uh, sexual escapades, your guy's going to be in for a treat. It's not going to be for the weak of heart, that's for sure. Uh, but he's a pretty funny character. Uh, so hopefully, we can uh, have him on here soon. Uh, so a lot of people have a hard time. I mean, it's a prison facilities. I mean, again, it's not a place for rehabilitation, most of these guys. Like Todd Kohlhepp, for example, they just screw with him big time. Uh, they Very rarely can you get mail through. It keeps getting returned for no reason, no reason at all. Uh, and I have a hard time getting Wesley mail also. It's usually not that much of an issue, especially when you're in San Quentin. Uh, usually pretty good. Uh, Todd's probably the worst. I mean, they treat him horrible there. They let no mail go through. Uh, but he has access to a tablet at least now. Hopefully we'll have him on the show too. But anyway, Wesley will be on soon enough. Uh, but today we're going to continue our uh, series with Keith Jesperson, the Happy Face Killer. Uh, we wanted to go uh, through each victim one by one. Because there's so many uh, false uh, narratives out there about Keith. I mean, a lot of it's true, but some of the details that Keith, and a lot of it's Keith's fault, um, as you heard from these uh, previous podcasts, that he purposely put lies out there uh, to throw the media off or to get the media's attention. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have 300 kills. You know, there's eight, but uh, one might have got up and ran away. You know, we're not really sure about the one body if you've been following along. Uh, but today we're going to go to number six. Uh, so now, why don't we open it up to Mr. Keith Jesperson. So, Mr. Jesperson, I hear we have some new news uh, about victim number three. 
number three, this is the this is what happened lately, is that number three is that uh, they they went out with their cadaver dogs on the twelfth of March mm-hmm. and they found nothing. You say yeah, the first time they said their first pass, they said they didn't. Did they go back out again? They went out there and they found nothing. We assume that uh, the one the body that I put there back in 1992 actually got up and walked away. So now my body count is down to seven. Yeah. <laughs> now. And, uh, Cynthia Lynn Rose is the case that the Merced County wants to put on me mm-hmm. for this case, but I also know that Cynthia Lynn Rose died of a drug overdose. Definitely. And if you go to uh, the book called Dangerous Ground by Matthew William Phelps, sure. uh-huh. in that book he had investigated into this case, and he has found that my logbooks have me outside of the area when, when Cynthia was still alive. Mm, okay. So Cynthia had actually, uh, two days after I left the area, I actually went to her, her methadone treatment and was still alive at that point. So I was gone when her body ended up behind the Blueberry Hill Cafe. Wow. So they, and, and the police know this. They know mm-hmm. that uh, this is the way it is. This is how now, my, I, I, I told uh, Breyer and other people, I told my lawyer, I said, why don't they, the Merced County Police Department, why don't they just come at me, show me pictures of Cynthia Lynn Rose on the body and where she, where, where she was located and stuff like this. Show it all to me, then give me a polygraph, and I'll take the polygraph test and prove that I didn't do it. Yeah, sure. That I didn't put Definitely. the body there and everything. And, of course, I'm sure that Merced will never want to do that because you know that they know that just wasting money because they already know that I didn't do it. Yeah, they would never, never do it. So they're never going to do it. They're never, never going to follow through with this anyway. No. So this is a this is a bum steer. This is the way it, you know. They already know I, I wasn't responsible. And the only reason they kept saying I was responsible because that was the only one they found behind the Blueberry Hill Cafe, and they hadn't talked to me yet. Mm-hmm. And so I had, and, and I didn't know any different. I thought that maybe that was it. Of course. But only after I saw the picture of, of what. What was there, one of the pictures that showed her body in 2009, did I realize that it wasn't my case after all? I mean, all, the, all you really need is the autopsy report. Was not strangled. Well, that's it. That's, yeah, she wasn't strangled. <laughs> that's all you need. She was dressed, yeah. she was dressed wrong. Uh-huh, everything, was different. everything was wrong. Oh, everything was. Um, but that's really everything was all you need. All, so, you, all you need was the, the report. You know, the one yeah. note was not strangled. Well, not me. <laughs> That's kind of my yeah, thing. And it wasn't you know? Now, now that uh, if you read the book, Dangerous Ground, is uh, Phelps actually did the research in my logbooks and everything and said, I wasn't even in the area when she was still alive. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, I was, I had been, you know, gone for a couple of days when she met, went and did her methadone treatment. And shortly after that, she ended up in the back of the Blueberry Hill Bay, but I was already, I was no longer in the area. Yeah. So. That's the problem they have. Now, I think we left off uh, the last time, one of the last time we left off there at, at number five. Mm-hmm. That was the Skipple case there where they finally identified her in April of, ni- of 2022, mm-hmm. last year. Um, now, my number six is kind of a strange case because this is like August of 1994. This is after the... The, the smiley face, the happy face letters came out to the Oregonian. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that happen in between uh, number number five and number six. 
this is like a whole year plus. Oh wow! Okay. Before this happened, yeah. So yeah, n- number five was in in May of '93, and number six happened in August of '94. And there's not much online so over about over a year. Yeah, number six. There's What's not mu- there's not much online anywhere of number six. I'm looking all over, and there's really not much information about it. Well, the thing is, is that I showed up there. I, I was hauling for systems transportation, and I just made a delivery of Treadbright aluminum coils to a, a manufacturing there in Tampa. And I pulled out of there, and I, I, I pulled over to the Unical 76 truck stop at uh, off of Highway 75 out of Tampa. I pulled in, and I parked right next to the restaurant. Now, this woman was out there in the, in the very front of the parking lot, she had a, a tote, a luggage tote with some blue Samsonite luggage, blonde, wearing a, a, a flower dress, and she stood about 5'10", shaggy blonde hair, very nice looking. Uh, several several other truckers were going up there trying to pull on her arm to drag <laughs> her to their truck. Yeah. I mean, literally, I'll give you a ride. I'll give yeah, you a ride. Yeah, I can imagine. I walked over there. I walked over to her, and I said, where are you going? And she said, Lake Tahoe, Nevada. And I said, okay, um, I'm out of Washington State. I'm headed in that direction. I don't know exactly when I'm going, but I'll be headed there maybe in an hour, maybe a little longer. And I pointed at my at, at systems flatbed truck, I mean the, 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 the tractor and the, and the trailer, and I pointed at that. I said, that's my truck. I'm going to be leaving in probably an hour, hour or so. If you want to ride with me, hey, Looked me up, right? And I turned around and walked off. I walked into the, I went into the, uh, the restaurant and I sat down and called the boss. The boss had nothing for me. I looked on the TV screens. Back then you could look on a TV screen and see the loads coming and going out of the area. I couldn't see any loads. So I just waited. I mean, I, my boss has called me back another hour. So an hour goes by and, and I have to call again and there's, there's no load. And finally, I, I, I turn around and I look up, and here she is standing above the, at the booth where I'm at in the restaurant, and she's going like, why aren't we going yet? Yeah. <laughs> like, excuse <Yeah>. me? <laughs> um, so she's got her luggage sitting over by my truck, and she's in there looking for me. She says, why aren't we going yet? We're in a hurry. No, she's just and like, I said, well, she's just a hit, regular hit. I try to explain. I said, well, she just I a hit. I try to explain to her. I'm trying to explain to her how trucking is. I said, I have to wait for my boss to give me a load. Finally, I get a load. Now, my boss tells me I have to go to Cairo, Georgia, not Cairo, Egypt. Got to go to Cairo, (laughs) Georgia, pick up a load of uh, um, the conduit, the steel conduit piping. I had two drops, one in, um, uh, where was that? Uh, One in Boise, Idaho, and another one in Spokane, Washington. I had two drops. So the... um, I told her we got to get up there. Now I had to be there by by nine o'clock Eastern time, right? <laughs> so like I'm going like, okay, great. So um, we go out in the truck and I put her luggage away, and she gets up in the cab and she looks at the sleeper, and she says, "Man, we got to run back to Miami. You got enough room here for the rest of my stuff." Yeah, no right? way. And I'm looking at her. I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I am not going to make a 200-mile <laughs> trip down to Miami and 200 miles back and Georgia and get this done tonight. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> picking up the rest of your house. You're not that cute. And so, yeah, we're not we're not doing this. So we head north on, on 75. We go up about 
80 miles is another 76 truck stop I can pull in and fuel up. Now, Systems has this called uh, this card called Trendar. It's a fuel card. And they had a, they had a list of, of the truck stops I could stop and fuel up at. So I fueled up there about 80 miles north of Tampa. And we went in, and, and I got her a shower, so she gave her a nice shower and get cleaned up. And I told her, meet me in the restaurant. So I met in the restaurant, and I bought her. I said, order whatever you want. So she ordered spaghetti, all you can eat. And so she eats like, she's on her third plate of spaghetti. Oh, geez. And I'm telling her, we got to get going here. I'm not going to sit here and eat the whole goddamn house. we got to get going. So we get on out there, and I, you know, I I get in the truck, and I already got directions how to get to where I'm supposed to get. Now, we get there to Cairo, Georgia. We pull in there, and I back in there, and it's like 9, 10 o'clock, um, you know, Eastern time. And I get in there, and I'm putting on the load, and she gets out and goes into the driver's lounge where all the, all the phones are at. Now, I get loaded. I get everything chained down, ready, and I'm strapped and chained down, ready to go. And I can't find her. I don't know where she's at. So I go looking for her, and she's in the driver's lounge, and she's on the phone. Or she thinks she's on the phone, or maybe not on the phone. She's trying to call, but no one's picking up. And I mention her name, Susanna, or something along those lines, and she struts out a blood-curling scream. I'm like, what, what? the hell? I said, <laughs> I, it startled her, right? So she just she panicked because someone uh, it startled her. <laughs> and so I said, get in the truck. we got to get going. So I drove back from Cairo about... 10, 15 miles back back east to a road that drops down into Florida. So I wanted to get on the Interstate 10 and and go the interstates instead of going through Georgia and then Alabama on the two-lane little Tom, Dick, and Harry roads between all these little towns. So I wanted to get on the ministry and get the hell out of there. So I dropped down to Florida, and I was heading west on I-10. And I was driving for quite a while, and this is early morning, and... I need to use the restroom, so I pulled into exit 18, which is a, a rest area. Now, the rest area is not off of the highway, uh, just off, you know, like you pull into it and then back on the highway. This one, you have to pull down to an exit, go underneath the freeway, go down the block, and take another left, and go down past some convenience stores into uh, the, the rest area, and then come back through this. It's a, it's a quarter mile off the road. Now, in Florida... I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Florida, all the rest areas have security guards, and they keep the riffraff out, keep the tran, you know, the, the prostitution, the, the panhandlers out of the of the rest areas. So I pulled in there, and I had to park right behind the security vehicle that was right there. He'd have to move for me to leave. I pulled in there, and I swung around on the seat, and I sat on the on the on the bed, and I was trying to get her attention so that we could go and use the restroom. And when she woke up, it startled her again. She started to scream again. Oh, jeez. And I told her, I need to shut up. And the more I told her to shut up, the more she screamed louder. What was she screaming? Like now, she forgot where she was or something? She just she just was, yeah, she forgot where, you know, that, that she was in a truck or whatever. But oh, jeez. She forgot something. She was just startled. And I, the more I told her to be quiet, the more she yelled. And, and I said, the only thing I think of was now I have to kill her to stop all the noise. Wow. Right? Because I have the security vehicle right in front of me. And then I'm not allowed to have riders. I, I'd lose my job if sure. there's a report done on me. Mm-hmm. So I know I have to get rid of you. I'm thinking, oh, shit. You know, so I end up, so I strangle her right there and I kill her. 
And I'm like, God damn it. Why is what you know? I, I should know better. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have the rider with me. So I get out, and after I kill her, I get out, and I have to walk up to the security guy. Hey, man, I need you to move. I got to get out of here, right? <laughs> so I drive out. I'm, he moves, and his little pickup. I drive out, and I go down to, and there's a convenience store down there, and I stop. I grab my thermos. I go in, and there's three cop cars parked at the convenience store. So I have a dead body in my truck, and I'm up in the convenience store getting my coffee, my coffee, and I'm talking to these cops at the same time. They're all saying, "How are you doing tonight?" And all that. So I'm, I'm carrying on a conversation with someone. Um, I have, a, I just killed somebody. <laughs> I go out there with our thermos, and I get back in the truck, and I head on over, and I head, head I'm heading west again on ten. I get up to exit ten, which is a Texaco truck stop. I go in there and. No, wait a minute. I, before I get there, I go to exit 11. I go to exit 11, which is a university, and there's um, um, I pull in off the, off the highway on exit 11, cross the road, and get on the on-ramp, and I pull up there, and on the on-ramp, it's a wide shoulder. I get as far as I can up there, and I get out, and I look where I could put her body, and I find there's a tree row up there alongside a the fence, so I, I, I carry her body over to the tree row. And I lay her in the in the tree row, and I get back in the truck, and I go down to exit ten, which is the truck stop. Now I she had soiled her clothes and my bedding, so I got rid of the bedding and everything mm-hmm. at that truck stop. Threw it in a big old mud puddle and drove over it several times. Then got back on the freeway, and before I parked it for them that morning was in Biloxi, Mississippi, when I finally pulled into a flying J. Only then did I go through her property. And, and she had tarot cards. She, I think she was Wicca. I think that's what her, she was involved in Wicca. Mm-hmm. Because she had this, uh, yet bark and, and all kinds of stuff that you would have for whatever their, sure. the Wicca needs. Mm-hmm. She had tarot cards and, uh, she had a, just uh, had a boombox radio, but the, the RCA radio had dead batteries in it. Cause they're, you know, she, she run them things down to nothing. And so I kept the, I kept her radio and I kept her tote for for carrying her luggage. I thought it'd make a good carrier for my tarps, but the moment I put one of the big tarps on, it just it just collapsed the damn thing. It wasn't any oh, good. Geez. So so that was thrown away. And then uh, um, the radio, I ended up giving it to the daughter of a girlfriend of mine in Mesquite, Nevada. Now the cops probably went over to. When I told them that, they probably looked her up to see if they still had a radio, and maybe there might have been a fingerprint in there mm. that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But that was 20 years after the fact. Yeah, okay. um, but I given her, I given her, uh, Stephanie. Um, she was like 12 years old. I gave her the the boombox radio, and actually worked. And uh, uh, that was later at a time because I was dating uh, Adrian at the time, which is in Mesquite, Nevada. So yeah. Uh, that was that was uh, that was the, the extent of the case. Now, um, in 1996, they closed the case because I'm doing too much time as it is. Only about 20 years after that did they come after me. Uh, Dennis Haley, which is a cop out of uh, uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, he was coming up to investigate. He asked me the same damn question. Now, in 1996, when Glenn Barbary, the detective, came and talked to me. He was more interested in solving another murder that happened in Tampa. A black woman was killed, and he showed me a bunch of pictures, and he said, why don't you take responsibility for this one? 
And, and I said, I'm not going to. It's not mine. I'm not going to do that. Well, as, as, as proof would have it later, last, just from the last few years ago, uh, Sam Little, that serial killer Sam Little, mm-hmm. he's the one that actually testified that that was one of his murders that oh, he had. Oh, wow. So, so you can imagine, here, here uh, Glenn Barbary was trying to get me to claim this. Now, when I told that to Dennis Haley, uh, he's an investigator, and he, and he went back to Glenn. Glenn denied that he tried to do this. And then I said to him, well, tell, tell him, he said, well, you're going to give me a collage of all these pictures of crime scenes, and I'll pick out the ones he showed me. Mm-hmm. And when he, was, when he heard that, only then did Glenn admit. He admitted, yeah. oh, yeah, I did. I tried, oh, to, yeah, I tried to get him to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he was, he was trying to get I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get me on two murders in Florida so they would bring me there for trial. Uh, and, he, okay. and of course, gotcha. he would have he would have a family there willing to be mad at me in trial, which sure. meant that I probably would have got the death penalty in Florida. Oh, that's true. Yeah. If that was that was what they're after. Mm-hmm. That's what he was after, hoping to I claim just because another Henry Lucas type thing. Yeah. Right? So that was my sixth one, but there's no, there's no, uh, there's really nothing to it. They, they've closed the case in 1996, mm-hmm. and they've looked at it a couple times with the new DNA testing on Ancestry.com. They've been looking at it lately, but nothing's come up. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you if any, so uh, any news what, on it. Okay. So I think what will happen eventually is that eventually we'll have uh, maybe through Ancestry.com or something along like that, maybe. Her identity might be known in the future, and only then will Florida decide whether yay or nay to come and get me and do that. Now, how was the body so, discovered? Well, they, uh, I actually showed uh, <laughs> when I when I wrote the uh, I read the article in the uh, uh, called "Does Oregon Have Another Zodiac Killer?" in one of the True Detective magazines that I read back in October, November of 1994, which mm-hmm. had to do with my the Happy Face letter. And I found some editorial problems with that, so I wrote a letter to the New York uh, publishing company, and I told them the problem with the story and all the different problems. And I said, and then to prove that I was the killer, I led them to Exit 11. Oh, or, I and I, I, told, I said okay. that that was my... I said that that was my 56th murder, not my oh. sixth. Oh, okay. I had added 50 to it. Now, <laughs> I made a question that, now, that letter has never come out in the open. Really? So, I know the police, I know the police in Florida have that letter yeah. that went to the ed- editors in New York, but that, that letter has never, the contents of that letter has never been in the public eye. I figured they're holding on to that for a possible trial to say that that was, uh, that that the claim in the in in the letter to the editors in New York was that that was my fifty sixth murder, mm-hmm. not my not my sixth murder. Yeah, I was trying I was trying to give them information without giving giving myself up. Sure. Right? Well, like you said in the so, other letter, what was yeah. it two hundred murders in the other letter or something like that, or one hundred and eighty? Yeah. Or <laughs> well, like the that. other the other the other cop I told him was one hundred and sixty six. That's what it was. Murders. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, but everyone has has an. Everyone thinks that there, you know, there's 385, there's yeah. 500 over here, 400 over there. I mean, I had a guy that got out of prison here, and, and he was trying to tell people that I confessed to him there was 400. 
I'm, I'm like, I wrote the guy back, Jeremy Steiger. I said, what the hell are you thinking about that? <laughs> You're in prison here. You know damn well. I said, I only got like eight. Yeah. I've been convicted on six, and then I have one. One maybe. That, that, <laughs> one the maybe. One the only one that I've not been convicted on is the Florida one. Mm-hmm. And I got I got all the rest of them except for the Merced, of course, the Merced one, of course, isn't mine. So that that's that's moot. That that's a done deal. That's yeah. gone. So I, <laughs> my body count is going down. It's going I'm down. Not, I'm not a very good serial. <laughs> I'm not a very good serial. I know what the hell. Body count. I'm telling you, my body is going downhill, not uphill. <laughs> yeah. Now was she was she just so, a hitchhiker? It doesn't sound like she was like a prostitute with baggage and luggage. She was just a, a no, like homeless. She, was, she had a purpose. She was a purpose. She was going to. She was going to Lake Tahoe, Nevada, for a purpose. Okay. She wouldn't tell me. She wouldn't tell me. But when she told me she needed to go back to Miami and pick up more of her stuff, I thought, you know, that's why I told Briarly Mitchell on for her book, you know, Serial Killers Then and Now, is there's part in there where I, I we're kind of advertising that maybe someone in Miami might know who she is because she left some stuff at their place, let's say. Of course, yeah. And so that's why I brought that up. And now, when they came and talked to me, you know, just a few years ago, I said, "Well, you could have gone to Cairo, to the to the place where I picked up the metal, and and went through research their phone banks, and found out which number she was trying to call. Of course, from there where she was on the phone. And they said, "Well, that's been you know, that's that's analog. That's way back when." I said, "Yeah, but you should have done that." when I told you about it back in 1996 mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. They didn't follow through with it. They weren't interested then. How bad and were only the, now they're, I say, how bad were that? the, how bad were the remains when they found them? Nothing was nothing like facial well, or anything. Remains were just remains. They were just, uh, they're skeletal. I was going to say skeletal at that them. point. Yeah. They're skeletal remains. They found, uh, that's all they have is bones. You know, now is she with the like one, a, it's like one of the, yeah, go ahead. Who was the one where you actually were trying to put a face that you did artwork? Was she the one you did the artwork to? Yeah, I, I drew a picture. I drew that's a what picture I okay. of what I thought she looked like. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I did everything I could to try to help them solve me, and that's the way I think. That's the way I think I should do it. I think I should be on the positive side, trying to solve me, and then the police they have a bad. They don't like that. They want. They want to be the ones to solve it. Yeah. So they're, they're they're taking the stand that they don't understand why I want to do this. Mm-hmm. They want they wanted the 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 suspect. They want the suspect to sit there in his prison cell and do nothing sure. to help, so they can use that against him in the court of law. Mm-hmm. Or they, they just and want so to believe just, you. They don't under they do not understand why I'm doing this. I said I want to get this out in the open so that it's done. It's over with. Mm-hmm. And, so, and they are they're they're they don't understand why you know why I pushed to get this done. And they shouldn't care. You know, they're, 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 I mean, why would they? They shouldn't really care of why. It's the fact that you are, you know. Okay, let, let's. Yeah, but they don't understand why. They think that us that, that a suspect should stay dormant in cell and wait for them to solve. You know, it's like in the crime report on TV. All the all the news. You know, court TV and stuff like this. It's all about solving the case, and they want their little attaboys packed on sure. their back. Like they get all credit for it. Hey, we couldn't do it. We needed the serial yeah. killer to help us solve the case. 
Well, who cares? You want yeah, it solved or not? Yeah, you know, they, they, they're, you know, Briarly Mitchell has run into roadblocks trying to help me do this. She has, she has, she's offered to pay for the DNA testing, and when when that was offered, they denied, they, they declined that. Oh, they really? They didn't want her to help. Oh, I didn't yeah, know they that. they didn't want her to pay for it. Oh, no. Yeah, they, they, she was going to pay for the DNA testing, and they backed out of the deal. Now, that's not just Florida, but also uh, my second murder down there in, in Riverside. They backed completely out of it. What was oh, the reasoning? No, we can't allow a, we can't allow a civilian to pay for this to solve this case. Yeah. We don't understand why. Well, how about I donate $200 to your police department? You know, for to do whatever you want with, you know, and then that way you can pay for the DNA, you know, technically. Yeah, but it's, this is not two hundred dollars. This is five thousand. Oh, whatever you know, whatever it may be, you know, to do. Yeah, it's a five thousand dollar bill to get this DNA thing done, and that's what I've always said that the American justice system is held hostage by money. Mm. If you have, if if this government put put aside five billion dollars into an account to run DNA, and that's all they did. They would solve a lot of cases, but they, but they don't want to do that. Wow. It's almost like they, they, they want to run away from it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have to deal with the, the all the extra case, all the caseload of solving these cases. Can you imagine how many rape charges and murders with the DNA is still pending because they don't have the money to run the DNA testing? Yeah. How many people would be said and, and, who are convicted and they didn't do a damn thing? You know, DNA would prove them and wrong. What they end up know? doing is what they end up doing is they end up telling the people that, oh, we're trying to solve this, but they're not trying to solve it enough. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. They're they're trying to look good, but at the same time, so we don't have the funds available to do this. And then, but you would think that they would have a GoFundMe page to get the DNA run for this. Yeah, for and sure. they don't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't that's do the it. They, that's what. That's what Briarly Mitchell has gone has, has has bumped her head up against the wall. They will not allow her to pay for the DNA testing. Wow! Even this, even to get the dog to walk walk, walk on that down the Livingston to bring the cadaver dogs in, they they fought it all the way. That's they did not want this done. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it eliminates them, and they know that I didn't kill Cincinnati Rose, but they also want to believe that. The body is still there, but since there's no body there, mm-hmm. then the body got up and walked away. Now they're looking for some that might have gone to the hospital the, the, the day I was there. Yeah, I mean, is that you many? Know. If the cadaver dogs didn't find anything in that area, you know, you don't know. Certainly could have. Yeah, it, they waited too long. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't want to solve it. I mean, in nineteen in nineteen ninety six, when I was talking to them about the. The, the case down in Livingston, I had a cop was standing right there. He said, you know, it doesn't sound like our case that I, when I was telling him. It doesn't sound like, and another cop told him to shut up. So yeah. I know. Right then you know. Something was up. <laughs> exactly. Something was up. You know, right, right. there. So they're just, they, they wanted to solve that case because that was the easy one to solve. Mm-hmm. Because she died of an overdose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's. And of course, my Florida case was, was just stupid because had, had, I, had I not parked behind the security vehicle, <laughs> had I been parked way out on the other edge of it, I probably would not have killed her. I probably would just, you know, she, she would have realized she was where she was and yet calmed down. Now, was she That's just, did you happened. know, I mean, she said you heard her scream when she was on the phone. 
is, yeah. Other than that, she's, did she seem kind of normal? Don't be doing that. Did she I told see, her, don't be doing that. Yeah, of course. God, it just bringing attention to everybody, right? I mean, I, it's, I was, I was, I thought, what the hell's wrong with her? She was so jumpy. I was going to ask you, no, did, I don't know. What else did she seem like? The I way she know. talked, did she talk normal after that, or did she seem like kind of a basket case, you know, the whole time? Well, she she just had, I think she was startled. Mm. And she just, you know, she talked normal after that. Everything was okay. I mean, like, you know, it's a no big deal, but uh, well, she the moment a... I sat on the bunk and she stood, looked, her eyes popped open wide, and all of a sudden she started, you know, letting her go. And I was like, come on, shut up, man. Yeah, so obviously something was wrong. Rest. That's right behind the security guard, for fuck's sake. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. have you yelling and screaming and stuff like that and causing them to come over and even to ask a question. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even allowed to have people. The company I drove for had a snitch policy. If another driver saw another one of the drivers with an unauthorized person in the car, in the truck, and he called it in, that person would get $100 to call to rat on me. If, I, uh, if he saw okay. me with everyone else. Okay, so, gotcha. And there's 700 of their trucks running up and down the highway. <laughs> yeah. So I always had to be conscious of, of other trucks and other drivers. I remember running into one, and he started talking about some snack, and I said, listen, I hear your name come across something like that, and the next time I see you, you might be a problem. Remaining. Mm-hmm. So that's one minute. Yeah. i got to go sell in anyway. So. Oh, that's okay. No, we got good stuff. All right, everybody. There is Keith Jesperson, the happy face killer, uh, talking about victim number six. Uh, we're not exactly sure you know, who is um, or who she is, I mean. Uh, you might, if you go online and you can Google the picture that Keith drew uh, of her, and I think we're going to go get into it a little bit. I don't think we covered it already. Um, I'm not sure if I posted or he might have just told me on the side. But the police insinuated um, that that this victim looked like Nicole Kidman. So basically, Keith just drew a picture of Nicole Kidman. Um, and that's how he got to that picture. If you look at it, yeah, it kind of looks a little bit like Nicole Kidman. So a little bit from his memory, but you know, his memory is you know, a little foggy, but uh, the police were really pushing on him the fact that she looked like Nicole Kidman for some reason, and that's kind of what they went with. Um, so there you go. Uh, again, we got a lot of good things coming up. Uh, if you haven't yet, go to Amazon. I got two books out there. I'm going to be getting to them uh, more in detail later, too. Um, I examine, I get uh, this question all the time, Christian faith in a life of a serial killer. Is it real? Is it fake? Uh, so I wrote a book um, with my personal conversations with David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, Charles Tex Watson, and Bruce Davis from the Manson family, the murderer of John Lennon, uh, Chapman, uh, Mark David Chapman. And it's funny, is all the even from family members and close friends, you know, they're, they're used to me talking to serial killers all the time, and they've kind of, you know, they don't, it doesn't bother them anymore. But you mentioned you talked to the killer, John Lennon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like you shot him yourself. Uh, the glares you get. Um, but anyway, we, uh, from my personal conversations, we really examine uh, their faith in Christianity. Uh, is it real? Is it fake? Is it just a show for a parole board? Can God forgive serial killers? Uh, so the book is called Serial Killers in Heaven and Victims in Hell. It's actually a question mark at the end of that. It's not a statement. It's a question. Very important. Um, I wanted a little bit of a provocative title. Uh, so go check that out. It's on a big book. I think you only have it for like 7 bucks online uh, on Amazon. So check that out. Give some positive reviews. That will be awesome. Uh, and then my book, The Story of You, of You Masaki. That's Y-U, not Y-O-U. 
um, and Masaki from Signs of a Psychopath. He has such an amazing life. Um, every time I talk to him, and we did a podcast with him earlier, you can check that out. Uh, and we didn't even scratch the surface with with uh, with you, um, and uh, with his Asperger's, um, schizophrenia, uh, psychotic, uh, and, and many other things on top of that. Um, it's amazing that only uh, the one person died, and, and one person obviously Maggie was paralyzed. But the book also goes into brain abnormalities, not specifically just Asperger's, um, but all types of psychopathy. Uh, we think, oh, if I was that person, I would never have done this. Oh, you don't have that brain. We really look at the frontal lobe of the brain, uh, the amygdala, and what happens when that's damaged or not functioning correctly. And um, you don't have to be, a, you know, not necessarily going to be a killer if you're amygdala. You don't feel fear or empathy. Uh, you have a hard time, you know, with that stop button in her brain. You know, well, I better not smack that person. You just cut me off or run them off the road. That's the amygdala kicking in. But if it's not working, you don't have the ability to do things. So I really examine. Well, do killers really have serial killers really have free will not to kill? If the part of the brain that stops them uh, from doing dumb things isn't working, do they really have free will? So we're going to be getting into that. Uh, we'll go check out the book, The Story of You. Uh, that's a, they're both available on a, on paperback and for uh, or for Kindle. If you want signed copies, send me a message. I'm always sending two or three copies out a week. Sign. Um, so let me know. Hit me up on social media if you'd like that. If not, just go to Amazon and leave a good review. Very important. Review, review, five stars, all that good stuff. Unless you think the book really sucks, then, uh, then don't leave a review at all. <laughs> just keep it positive. Uh, I did my best. Took a lot of time and effort to do those books. Um, and anything else you want to uh, – anybody else you want to hear me talk to, send me a message. Uh, again, we got some cool things coming up. Robert Bardo, if you can get his tablet phone uh, squared away, get to a better reception. Uh, so we're going to have to do that one over again because it really didn't come out good. Um, Wesley Sherman team is going to be good. Um, the Jacksonville Strangler, Paul Dozero, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, he just called me for the first time. So hopefully we can uh, get him on here soon. Um, and a couple other things lined up. I'll wait till they're set in stone before I uh, mention those. Uh, anybody else? Again, just send me a message if you want me to talk to and see if we can't reach out to him. And get them on there. And again, share the podcast, like, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow me on social media. All right, everybody, until next time, see ya! <laughs>